From Calvary Church of Santa Ana, this is the Calvary Life Podcast, the show where we share stories, laugh together, and have discussions about faith, life, and God with people from Calvary Church. Here's your host, Eric Wakeley. All right, well, welcome to the Calvary Life Podcast. Uh, excited to have a couple people. So for me, Eric is excited to have my wife, B here on the podcast today. And then we are joined by Chris and Elisa Grace, who direct the Biola Center for Marriage and Relationships together. And also that Chris is a professor and just has been a longtime professor and um, faculty, staff, administrator, lots of things uh, at Biola. And B and I both went to Biola and uh, B actually had Dr. Grace, which we have, we have to be like, can we call wow. you Chris? You know? It's <laughs> <laughs> weird, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, so welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Well, it's really great to be here. Yeah, we've heard so many great things about you guys from our daughter, Natalie, that works there at the church with you, and she loves it. We are just thrilled to be here with you guys. It's great to have awesome. face, almost face-to-face contact with somebody in the middle of our uh, <laughs> sheltering at home. <laughs> it's exactly. great. Somebody besides him and our daughter. <laughs> That's right. Doing the podcast over a Zoom call, uh, which is like sort of a new world for all of us, but we're yeah. getting used to it. And as uh, Lisa said, Natalie Comstock, she is an incredible uh, member of our Calvary Church team. The people of Calvary really would know her because she does a lot of video stuff at the beginning and end of our live streams. So people are kind of getting to know uh, Natalie, and she's actually even the producer of this podcast. So uh, she does a great job. Uh, yeah, awesome. <laughs> and Way to go, Natalie. There you go. <laughs> but we're all uh, living this whole thing, this whole thing in this coronavirus quarantine life. And we're doing this from uh, just being in our homes, having our kids around, uh, marital relationship being, we're not used to maybe being around each other all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I think <laughs> there's no, we usually come home from work and talk about our day, but then we're just together all day. It feels like now what? You already exactly. know everything I'm about yeah. to say. <laughs> exactly. And so we just thought, hey, it'd be great to talk with you as experts on marriage, relationships, all of that. And I know that probably even being called experts, you are experts, but you're also living it. And so you're like in the thick of it as well. And you guys have a 16-year-old daughter at home. We have a 17, just turned 17-year-old and a 13-year-old daughter at home. So kind of figuring out this family thing. But could you tell us even just first a little bit of your guys' background that the people listening can get to know a little bit more about you and kind of what, what you guys do even at Biola? Well, uh, together, Chris and I direct the Center for Marriage and Relationships at Biola University. We launched it about six years ago. And so it's really interesting that we went from uh, doing our, you know, kind of like our separate daytime jobs and we do weekend uh, marriage ministry to now that's our full-time job and we work together and we live together and we do everything together now so it's interesting because there really are some some things about that that you have to navigate and you you have to learn how to work your way through it and get to a place that works for both of you. But we love doing it. We've been doing marriage ministry for like 25 years, a long time. We started very young with just dating, 
but um, you want to talk about your background in Viola? Yeah, no, that, she's got that right. It's 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 hard to be together every single day, every moment at times, <laughs> and so you know we feel for all these people. We've had some experience, and so we've gotten some opportunities to learn how to navigate it. But man, you have some ups and downs, and some times where you're thinking. Uh, you know, I cannot believe that I'm trying to come up with some topic that we can talk about, and I'm just going to have to make up something because we got to talk and visit, but we've covered every single thing we could ever cover. So right now, we're currently going through my childhood. I'm about 12, and I'm dealing with mom issues. Lisa's she's still in her 10s and 11s, but we're going to get there next week eventually. So uh, we, we have just this opportunity to uh, enjoy working together and, and um, as a psychologist, a social psychologist in particular, one of the things that we study is how groups influence people and people influence groups and how we're influenced by each other. And, uh, but that's, it's easy to say, but Eric and B, I'll to be honest with you, to live it, I mean, I'd rather talk and lecture all day long about this <laughs> stuff. But if you ask me to live it with my wife and kids, um, I don't know, man. It 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 it, it push comes to shove. It could be very yeah. interesting, but we're enjoying <laughs> exactly. it, and we get to study it and talk about it, and and it's been really fun. That's cool. What so Center for Marriage and Relationships? Like, what does that mean? What do you guys do yeah. for for people? Um, is that yeah. with students? Is that with just the greater world of marriages? What does that mean? Well, really, what we do is that our focus is helping people build healthy christ-centered relationships by taking the timeless wisdom of scripture combining it with the latest and robust research and bringing in the academic aspect uh, of chris's research background and then uh, putting those together melding those together and bringing those truths out from god's word what we see proved again in science that confirms god's word and then helping people learn how to put it in a really practical application uh, in their lives and really live it out and experience the benefits of God's truth. Because it's one thing to know it. It's another thing to do it, live it, and really experience it and the results, the benefits that that brings. And we really have a passion for that. So it's we look at healthy relationships in general, but then we make it specific for couples. We talk with students on campus about how does this work with your, your roommate and the people you live with? What about at home uh, with your spouse, with your kids, even coworkers at work? We, we all have relationships that we're involved in, right? Whether we're at work or at home, and to be able to live those out in a really healthy, Christ-centered way, gosh, you just, it, it's just like a symphony that, that plays music and is everybody's mm -hmm. on the same page, the melodies are going together, and it's just beautiful music when it works well together. Mm -hmm. That's cool. I was even realizing and looking, Chris, your degrees are in experimental social psychology. Yeah this is the ultimate social experiment, right? What's happening in the world? Like there must be yeah. some things that like we're learning about how humans interact or how this kind of stuff affects us as people. I'm curious just of kind of what you've been learning or thinking about this whole social experiment that we're, we're all in. Yeah, no, th this, is, this is where most of us kind of go, wow, this is uh, what we've been trained 
to watch out for, talk about, uh, think about, uh, at least at some level. You know, I'm not an expert by any means in, in the topic. The, my, um, but, but what I do know is I have a lot of colleagues and friends and people I keep up with who do this kind of work uh, more hands-on, and they've been doing it for a long time. And, you know, you can apply it to so many things, Eric. What we're all going through right now is a, a very unique time, um, but there are some cool little applications. So here's what we look at and what, what's exciting. Um, it's an opportunity to study and find things that you really don't have so many variables like this coming together at one time. And it reveals what you would expect, right? Uh, times like this can actually cause all kinds of expected outcomes, boredom, anxiety, depression, loneliness. Populations are very vulnerable, like um, the elderly, uh, people in homes, people in hospitals. And so different aspects of that are not unanticipated. All, all of us, everyone in your church, all, all the people that you minister to that you come alongside, each have unique places and needs. And some can thrive during this, some can struggle. And I think yeah. what's interesting is thinking about those little groups out there. So for example, one tiny little piece of research that's interesting is, is in the area of touch, for example. Right now, mm. uh, we can spend some time hanging out, doing Zoom, being there. But there's something really powerful about a researcher who has discovered if we're not touching people in the hospital rooms or in the in when, when they're getting ready to go because we're so worried about contamination and we avoid people maybe and, and, and have a distance that we don't normally hug. There's, it's just a small little quirky thing, but the ability to touch and to be in physical contact actually does some psychologically cool things. And so to know that means you have to make an extra effort to be thoughtful and careful about who could I do that? So we've had some health issues. I, I know you guys, maybe everyone deals with little things and but it could be just a simple little minor change that can make some of the biggest differences in a time like this. And that's kind of a weird little thing, but yeah, uh, no, so it is. yeah, I was thinking because I was, you know, my, my dad is 87 years old. So he's, you know, he's more vulnerable in this time. And I've gone down and taken him some food or done something like that. And then it's this, it feels so wrong to just be like, well, I can't touch you, dad. Stay, stay back, dad. And not to hug him as, and, you know, and just to be, be there for him. And so we have those things. We're just drawn to it naturally. Uh, yeah. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't really think about it as being that big of a deal, but it's, it's all, it's this whole encompassing. The quarantine means distance, right? And, and intimacy means closeness. And so now hmm. what we're dealing with is this forced type of distance that has weird effects. So some we expect, you know, every, everybody knows what it's like to be distant and cold from somebody emotionally. But now um, to bridge that, oftentimes we use these nonverbal ways of bridging that that can be so helpful that we're losing. I, I, th I think the other one that, that is interesting, just to play off of the idea of distance and social, it's also what we think about, Eric, like uh, how do you view what's happening to you right now and I think we're seeing something really weird going on. And social psychologists are interested in, in this kind of thing, ready? We see that if people are forced to quarantine and it's very strict, and let's say it's whether it's your local, state, federal government, somebody's telling you, you have to do it. Maybe your church is saying, no, you're not gonna come back. You can't be here during worship. We're going to do it this way. 
we're going to, right. but if it's perceived as you doing this because of an outside person telling you to do this, it's very different than if people perceive this as something that I will do altruistically, which means I'll do this out of my own goodness of my heart in order to help those around me. So let's say with your dad, uh, maybe with uh, my mom is here nearby too. If we think of this as an opportunity that I could do this to help serve and protect and even take a hit for somebody else in order to protect them, I will view my quarantining different, almost like I'm good at this. I can do this. I can contribute versus yeah. if you tell me I have to do this, force me to, then the opposite happens. People start to resist, to get very angry. And that can actually cause some, for us, uh, some interesting social effects relationally and even societally where you kind of regret, but resent yeah. mostly someone telling you what to do or not to do. So. Right. And, and even and without like getting into actual politics of it, it becomes this divide even along. It's kind of becoming like this political divide sense to it. And we're seeing protests starting and, yeah. you know, and so then it's like, oh, well, you and this blame thing. And you can see a lot of different kinds of conflict coming in there big time, I would think. And so we can even see that within our church where you'd have a church like ours, you're going to have people coming at this from different angles, feeling forced, feeling like this is all wrong. Feeling others feeling like, why aren't you doing more? And then you can see that bashing kind of together. You can, Eric. I think that's exactly right. And so what happens is that type of thing then translates down even into your own kind of personal relationships where you begin to feel somewhat, I'm doing this in order to help, uh, you know, and, and I'm seeing this as an opportunity versus I see this as a forced thing. And you're right. Elisa has a really cool little thing on this that she kind of works and thinks about a lot. And it's just a change of one word, but. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting because it, one little phrase that can change your whole mindset and how you approach the sheltering at home, working at home, schooling at home, and the conflict that that, that can bring up is by changing the phrase, I have to, to I get to. Hmm. It's just a simple little shift in perspective and attitude yeah. that can change the whole game. Because what it does is by changing what you say and how you phrase it, it actually changes the way you feel about it. Yeah. And science mm -hmm. shows very interesting thing about us as humans. And it's this, that the more we act a certain way, even if it's contrary to what we're feeling, the more we act it, the more we begin to feel it. And it actually changes those emotions of how you view it. And the great yes. thing about it is that we have the power to change that filter. We have the power to change that perspective and to approach it from I have to, to I get to. And a, a really biblical way to approach this that I love is from Romans 5, 8. It says, if the flesh controls your spirit, it leads to death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, it leads to life and peace. Now imagine if each of us at home invite the Holy Spirit into that daily living 
of, Lord, today I have to work at home. My kids have to be here schooling. You know, we're trying to share space and we have to do this too. You know what? I get to be home and work with my husband here too. I get to have my kids schooling here at home. And Lord, that's a tall order because I am not feeling it. I'm feeling the stress of it. Uh, I have to miss work. I, I can't, my work's been closed. I don't have that paycheck coming in versus I get to be at home. I get to have some downtime. And, um, but what we do when we invite that Holy, we invite the Holy Spirit into that process with us. We give him control and, and practically we just say, Lord, I can't do it. My heart's not in this. I don't have a, the right attitude. I need to invite you in and I want you to take control. And I want to experience that life and that peace that you're promising. So take control. And then Philippians 2.13 is another great verse that I live with these two in tandem. And Philippians 2.13 says that God is at work in you, giving you two things. He's giving you the desire to do his will and the power to do what pleases him. Mm. So if his desire is for us to invite the Holy Spirit into this situation, to take control of our mind so that we experience the life and peace, then guess what? He also promised that he will enable us to do it. He'll give us the yeah. ability to have that patience, to have that forgiveness, to have that attitude of gratitude. Mm -hmm. And that power is available to us. It's already there. We just have to appropriate it and put it into practice with the help of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I think that's like, that applies obviously far beyond even just this moment. I mean, just into general Christian obedience, right? Living for the Lord, like rather than I have to, or there's some sort of thing we see as this God has a restriction on us or something, or God doesn't want us exactly. to do these things or any of that kind of realm. But then instead of I have to, I get to, and yeah, I get to live this life for the Lord. I get to serve, or even here, I get to serve my wife. I get to serve my family. I get to serve my community by staying home or by not doing certain activities right now. I love that, having that mentality. I would imagine in your position that you, what you find too is that times like this, probably for you, um, time for you, it's probably like almost this conduit to the soul where you get to kind of go at the soul and see people and then minister to them as a, as a trained pastor and uh, someone who's trained in this to be able to use that as a, as a place to kind of have some deep talks, I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. It's been cool. One of the cool things we're doing, even as a church um, staff in this time, since it's a little just different, you know, all the sort of different programs or things that we'd normally be doing are different. It's given us time to actually just be calling every single person in the church and it's a relatively large mm -hmm. church. And so that's a daunting task. And, but it's been so fun. It's been really great just to sit there calling a kind of generating these lists to our different staff and you get a list of people and it's a little bit random and then you call people and you're just out of the blue and, and uh, end up having a 20 minute chat and, and just be able to encourage them. And then to see how it's affecting different people, because this season really is affecting all of us differently. And I feel blessed and our, our work for my wife and I, she can teach from home. I can be able to do my role from home. And I know this affects other people in some much more dramatic ways and, um, and can be difficult. But for us, we're trying to yeah, have that perspective, like you're talking about, Elisa, of just of we get to. We get this kind of wild privilege right now to be together. Um, 
But I'd love to transition to the be together is a privilege, but it's also an interesting thing when you think about marriages, you think about relationships during the quarantine life. What do you think are, what do you think are the dangers <laughs> of being around each other so much, you know, as people that work with marriages? Uh, great question. I think the biggest danger by far is the fact that times like this are going to do two things. They're going, they're going to provide forced intimacy, right? I, we, you, you're there. And then it unmasks things. And so unmasking is going to be either it covers and unmasks some really strong, healthy, maybe still growing and developing kind of relationship things that we're probably good to begin with, maybe need a little bit of more cultivation, but it's gonna clearly open them up, right? And then yeah, yeah. the other thing is for people who have not developed a really good style of conflict management or communication, what it's gonna do is it's gonna kind of, what we, we use a phrase called polarization and it takes away uh, this kind of middle ground and pretty soon you start to find couples are Pulling those that are healthy seem to get a little bit more healthy. They've kind of developed some cool things. Those that are unhealthy, it starts to show some of the breaks. And, and I think mm. that's maybe one of the things that a forced quarantine is doing is having people start to all of a sudden become aware of, we're, we're not really good at this. And we've brushed it under the rug for a yeah. long time, yeah. but yeah. we're going to have to deal with it. Yeah, another aspect that's really dangerous that we're seeing come out is uh, higher rates of domestic violence. Yeah. You know, you've got the stress of people losing their jobs, the financial implications of it, the relational implications of it, and it just exacerbates what was already there. So where mm -hmm. children had the opportunity to go to school and be apart from an abusive parent, now they're there 24 seven. Where a spouse had the opportunity to be away at work, uh, to be right. apart from that abusive spouse, now they're together 24-7. And so what we see is a much higher uh, incidence of the domestic violence, the police being called, being asked to mm. intervene. And that's one of the mm. real aspects that, that we see happening. Yeah. Well, this is too, like, people are grieving and part of that is anger. And I, I imagine not knowing how to deal with the anger or not knowing how to deal with your partner's anger, right? Is a lot of like, that's a lot to process and figure out. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. I think what, what couples are ha having to do is they're recognizing some of their conflict styles, right? Of avoidance, or I really don't want to talk about this, but then it builds up and now there's no outlet, right? I can't go to my buddy as easily. I can't go down to the gym. Uh, you know, I, I can't go off and, and take a walk maybe mm. as easily. And so pretty soon, unfortunately, I think you're right. I think anger not dealt with, which means uh, it, the, the encouragement we try and give to couples, we do a little bit of counseling like this, like you guys do. And we try and encourage them to say, look, keep those lines of communication open. Uh, one, learn what it means to hear the other person, right? Hear kind of... Take a moment and just say, all right, out of my, I have a lot of things I want to talk about. I have a lot of concerns. I'm really kind of ticked at this. This bothers me a lot. To really use this as an opportunity to say, I get to hear my spouse for the first time or my partner or my roommate. I get an opportunity to hear them and listen, but man, it's hard to sit there and say, okay, I'm going to put aside me. 
during this moment, I'm going to listen to you, your heart, your emotions, and where you are, and repeat back to you and say, so sweetie, what you're saying is when I leave my water bottles and I leave all my stuff laying there and my pajamas and my clothes at the end of the bed, <laughs> it really kind of picks you off a little bit. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> she goes, yeah, 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 it really does. <laughs> and I say, well, that's, that's, just, what I'm that's just too bad. I'm on quarantine and that's the way I live. Well, or I could really listen to her and say, sweetie, yeah, you know what? I understand that. That could be a sucky thing. But to learn to do that is a good skill that we get an opportunity to practice. But that's one of the little things that maybe you could start to pick up, and learn, and try. But anyway. Yeah, what would you say to a couple that, you know, I don't know who they would be, but like there's like an imaginary couple. And that's <laughs> that's it wouldn't be human beings. It's absolutely somebody else. Anybody else. Yeah. Wait, uh, what were you going to say? <laughs> what, yeah, what is the, this couple? I mean, okay, so I think that for us it hasn't been anything big, but it has been more irritability, you know, that like, I think, well, it, like kind of the little things like you're talking about there, or like I've been one of those people that has gotten into baking and uh, during like baking bread during this time. And I've just been, so yeah, like I yesterday I left out because I had to go into a Zoom call after doing some work and then I just left the entire counter covered in flour and you know just stuff all over the place and there's just kind of you can hear like a breath in the other room that's a little heavier sigh <laughs> and, <laughs> and you know oh man shoot and so I, I do think like I don't know what you think B, but I think that's been like our issue let's it's say more like, you know? like you know when you first get married and it's, you're just with that person all the it, time right. you always want it and it's like the little things are all of a sudden kind of irritating the heck out of you <laughs> And then life goes, you know, you go into life and you have kids and all these other things take your attention. Now we're back to this point of like being together so much that the little things are driving me bananas. But I think too, like part of that is it usually is I can't be mad at something else or I can't be mad about this thing. And then the flower or like, he's the Swedish chef. Like in my, my defense, he, he cooks by like throwing things in the air and then somehow out, but the mess is like, but I cook. I mean, come on. But he also does all the time. I don't complain about that. No, well, no but, but you know, that's. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, yeah. No, no, you got you. You guys are classic. I mean, this is perfect. <laughs> Not only classic, but we relate so much more to you even now because bread and cooking—it's—it's it's an art, and you have to be able to get messy. And I just can't believe sometimes spouses don't understand that. So thank you. <laughs> For, for, no, not, I'm teasing you, B. I'm teasing you. Um, here, here's the thing. Um, I, you, it is clearly what you guys identify is so classic in this way. Every single time we talk to a couples uh, or people or roommates, it's not the big things. Quarantining, you know, even medical issues that come out of the blue, losing a job, all very stressful, all very painful. But humans are really interesting. We seem to adapt to those pretty well. It's the little tiny things, the daily hassles, that really are at the end of the day, the things that can break us really bad and build up over time. So you guys are dealing with exactly, well, frankly, the same thing we are, but what everybody else is probably dealing <laughs> yeah. with. So yeah. the question is, what do you do, right? And, and you guys have yeah. probably learned a couple of things like what Elisa said earlier, you know, you get to have a husband who's home baking for the first time and who's around my kids and who's a model to see what things go bad and to hear I'm not, yelling out and screaming when they're angry and that the kids get to watch that. And I get to see my husband or I get to see my wife as she does these little things by picking and serving and, 
and doing things that I'm just so grateful for. And still going ahead and calling out the fact that I can be really ticked off at little things. And then that kind of makes me go like this. What do I do when I get ticked off? What, what, what bothers me about this? What is it? Why? Because he's so inconsiderate. He doesn't think about other people. Maybe, why is she doing these kinds of things? And those are turn out to be the daily hassles turn out to be the deep questions because they go in a lot of our heart. Um, yeah. um, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's where I say there are really two important approaches to, to those kind of situations. First of all, is to be able to, to express a valid complaint is totally hmm. okay. You know, yeah. that's very different from criticism. Criticism would be, be like if you were to say, you walk in the kitchen, you find the flour all over the cabinet. Criticism would, be, would sound like, Eric, you're such a mess. You come in the kitchen every time. How many times have I asked you to clean this up? And when I come in, it's always a mess. Yes, you did the dishes, but you forgot to wipe off the counter. Okay, those would be, those would be uh, criticisms. And criticism really looks at the person and attacks their character, kind of blames them, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to the shift in, in articulating a valid complaint, which, uh, and then it, what would be the positive aspect or the positive change you would like to see? Mm. So to, it would sound something yeah. like this. Eric, I love the way you love to cook and that you come in here and you like to make great things that taste good because we all enjoy it. That is so fabulous. I really love that about you. <laughs> One thing that would be really helpful for me is if you could wipe down the cabinets and then take the dirty dishes and go ahead and put them in the dishwasher and not leave them in the sink. If you could do that, that would really be helpful for me. Um, is, you know, does that sound like something that would be doable? Yeah, yeah. And so good. what you've done is you've expressed, <laughs> it's stressful to me when you leave a mess, but you've done it in a much more positive action. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So it's okay to express that valid complaint. Yeah, you want to be able to, to not let things fester when they're in there. So that's one, that would be one aspect. So voice that valid complaint with, with some affirmation with it. The second thing would be to, to make sure, um, what I want to say is Philippians 4. I love Philippians 4, where um, Paul is talking about in verses 8 and 9, where we fix our thoughts, mm. right? We're supposed to turn from the malicious things, the unforgiveness, and we're supposed to turn and fix our thoughts on what is good. Mm -hmm. What is true, what is admirable, what is pure, what is worthy of excellence and notice that and call that out. Because we can be really, really good at catching each other when we do the bad things, right? Boy, I can be right on when I say, Chris has left that cabinet door open again. You know, he's left his clothes in the middle of the floor again. It can be real easy for me to catch those things. But Philippians, Paul says, Focus on some positive things because the truth of it is, both the, your what you focus on becomes your reality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where you stare, you were you will steer your boat, right? And so to be able to, to have that perspective change again, and to not just notice the bad things, but to begin to notice the positive things. And I love this because it works with your kids too. 
gosh, we can catch our kids doing everything they're not supposed to do and completely overlook yeah. the positive things they're doing, right? Yeah. We just get in that spiral or jag. And so to be able to remind yourself of each other's positive qualities, your kids' positive qualities, catch each other's doing, catch each other doing that. And then um, a real practical way to apply this is to, um, one thing with your kids, this would be really great, um, to get a little whiteboard and put it on your refrigerator, right? And you have everybody's name in your family that, that lives there listed on the whiteboard. And throughout the day, everybody's job, at least once in the day, is to go on that whiteboard and write something positive that you saw each other do oh. or something you appreciated about them that you noticed. And so for each person in the family, you need to write down one thing you notice. And then the, 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 the power of expressing gratitude. Gratitude unexpressed is like having a gift all wrapped up that you never give to somebody mm -hmm. else. Yeah. So the expression of it is, is really important in this. And so you wanna, at the end of the day, when you're sitting around the dinner table, take that whiteboard down and then take turns reading what each other wrote and what they appreciated about each member of the family, okay? So we take the whiteboard down and we'd say, Carolyn, what did you write about dad today? And you'd read it out loud. Okay, this is what I, I wrote down about dad and what he did. Okay, now let's do it about Caroline. Now let's do it about mom. And so what that does is that begins to redirect everybody's um, focus and the whole environment of creating this attitude of gratitude and positive environment in your home. From cool. focusing on the negative, you need to address some of the negative things, but you don't want to have your whole focus on it. And so you want to shift that, fix your eyes on the things that are good and positive, call them out, write them down, and then revisit them at the end of the day. And you'll, you'll begin to see a huge positive change in your relationship with your kids and with each other and your kids with each other. And just one word of warning that didn't work out very well is I tended to go in and write a whole bunch of things under my own name. And <laughs> it didn't, it wasn't, it, it, I don't know, at the end, I think people kind of realized it was me. It didn't go over well. So just a word of warning. If you do it, fill out everybody else. Go. Don't do your own. It. No, I love it. I could see, like, I could definitely see like a, a like that working in our family like we've done a thing on people's birthdays where we always go around and like say we have to say like multiple nice things about that special person you know and just and i could see almost like hey let's turn that into a <laughs> during quarantine it's a nightly thing you know hey let's just see the the thing that you've been grateful for for that person in that day because we're all around we're having family meals every mm -hmm. single night it's like this awesome thing that we all want yeah this opportunity that we want but then it's so hard to normally do that but we have it so let's take advantage mm -hmm. I, was yeah. thinking of, I was thinking of one other question for you that's it's a little bit about how we interact but I think it's pretty universal um is like I'm more of a I want to talk like if something's going on if it feels like something's going on I want to like dig into it and talk about it right now whereas B and we we learned this I mean in premarital counseling and we've been married for almost 23 years but like and b needs to think about it more and and so she needs to be able to process and then we talk about it and so that's always that like i want to talk about it now and so i think we can even see some of that kind of stuff um kind of bubbling up to the surface more during quarantine life because we're around each other more all the time and it's a little harder to get space it's a little harder for you i see you seeming frustrated and i'm like 
what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? And then I'm super annoying, you know, asking what's wrong all the time. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know if there's thoughts on some of that kind of communication. Well, I think or, part yeah, of what's the your... issue, like part of that too, is that it becomes a, a matter of avoidance. And I think like even all four of us in our house, like we want to avoid conflict. It's our usual like go-to is I don't want to start an argument, but I have a feeling and I want to like express my feeling. And so that's where I think that Eric likes to just deal with it and be done. And I just want to like, I do, I need to think about things. And, you know, our kids are both of those things also. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's why we like you guys so much because you're exactly like us. And this, <laughs> <laughs> this is a perfect example. The, the whole bread thing, the whole laying around, the whole wanting to talk and process. I'm all like, Lisa, man, we got to get this out. Let's just talk. I, I need to talk, 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 talk. And she's like, Run away. Run away and hide. Like, <laughs> run away. Yeah. Um, no, we, we do the same thing. I think you guys are exactly right in what you're doing. You, you've learned this stuff earlier, right? I mean, this is premarital 101, and yeah. you did it really well, and you probably have always done it really well. And all of a sudden, now we're in this kind of unique, weird world where it just makes it bigger. And, and for some reason, it seems like more challenging and more emotional and more, you know, whatever. Yeah. So first of all, we just, you know, follow with you guys all along in this. I think people listening to this will probably see themselves in this. So you guys have probably done some things and I'd love for you to talk about how, how you navigate that. Well, a little things that we've done the same thing is yeah. we do what you do, Eric. I, I learn, I've got to um, know that sometimes my processing and wanting to kind of go at it can, can get, make Elisa feel unprepared, unready. And it's like a baked bread. That's just, I pull it out and I'm like, Oh, this is awesome. Let's go eat it. It's like, no, it's too early. You know, we did par baking of a pizza crust recently. I don't even know what that means, but it was the word <laughs> par baking. But if we didn't do that, we would have this half baked doughy, you know, yeah. mess and par baking is maybe what you know, B, and I know Elisa needs, is just a little bit of time to sit and probably, well, where does par baking occur? It occurs individually alone in an oven surrounded by all these little constraints without somebody poking their head in there all the time going, hey, how you doing? How's the dough? How's it looking? How are you doing? Where are you at? What can we do? Can we talk about this? So, uh, and it turns out we have a much better pizza at the end of the day. So I'd love to hear what you guys are doing too, because we, we try and let her have a little bit of space. So that means I have to grab the kid or kids, mm -hmm. I have to be, be willing to maybe take them somewhere. I need to be able to intentionally find time for her to do this and, and, and allow for her to have the freedom to sit, process, and think. So how about you guys? Yeah, I do think the first thing I'll start with, one thing, but it's just like, I think for people listening, to know what you are is the, that first step. Like to know how you communicate, what you need, what your partner needs. And then the fact that I think this, that we know that is probably like that huge first step, um, you know, to, in that battle, so to speak. And uh, so we know, and then even if I, I, like I know I still, after 23 years, I'm still slipping into it of like, what's, what's going on? Why are you, what's wrong? Why are you mad? What's going on? You know, and, and then, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can realize at least after I see her reaction to that, like, oh yeah, duh, I need to stop doing that and just walk away. I can go mm -hmm. kind of putz around and do something and just give her a little space. 
and then and let her process but it's so like it's just everything in me doesn't want to do that you know <laughs> so it's a fight and so I don't know I don't know how that is for you just to communicate to me what you need and all that yeah, yeah I think like it the times where you'll present like I want to talk about blah blah with you later like if you give me like the like I want this is what I want to talk about or like I think sometimes too it's just interpreting my facial expressions is hard like yeah. am I sad mad I, even with a lot of this time like my I have lots of feelings instead of just one feeling I'm not just frustrated in a moment but I'm reacting in a frustrated way right and last night was like the I was making taco shells and it just was like nothing was working I don't know I was just getting so and I was getting so mad but really it wasn't the taco shells it was like you know all the cool stuff and the like you know all of the thing processing all the stuff with my seniors was like a emotional toll on me and then I for him he's just like why are you why are you mad and so then what I did was I snuck really not so discreetly probably but hopefully cutely yeah. I snuck into the girls room where they were in talking to each other and I was like hey guys the tacos are going to be great tonight. <laughs> We're going to love them no matter what. Right. And they're just like, what are you talking <laughs> But I did, I went in there and just kind of talked like, Hey, don't make any comments on the tacos or mom's going to lose her mind. Like we need to, <laughs> like we need well, to. Well, I think I was, yeah, my feelings were really hurt over the stupid taco shells. Yeah. But, but to like, just know, like, how can you support that other person in the midst of that yeah. moment? Is, yeah. yeah. Well, and yeah, seeing when they need space and giving them the space, like you said, Chris, like, she's he's in the kind of upset that I need to like walk away or he's in the kind of upset where I need to say are you are you okay do you want to talk about it you know giving that like space and opportunity for them to decide do I want to talk about this or do I just want to be alone for a little bit and because you can't be alone here there's always people everywhere you have to be able to verbalize that element of it too no I just need room I need I need time from people Mm -hmm. Yeah, Lisa always talks. Uh, B, I think you guys, uh, it, you, first of all, you're doing it very healthy wise by just mm -hmm. recognizing and pointing out what what is my tendency, what do I, what am I like, and and therefore when it does happen, it, it a doesn't surprise you, and b it could be used for good rather than for bad, and, and mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if it's frustrating. It, you, we both know it's not the taco shell. We both, you know, y'all know that, it, but, yeah. but it is something that's legitimate and appropriate and, and uh, uh, amazingly normal because it's saying something and Elisa always, 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 because I'm, I'm like that, B, I, there's, I just get something bothers me and everything's bad now if, <laughs> yeah. if it doesn't go well. And I know it's not it, but I just don't know exactly quite what it is yet. And Elisa really has this great, you know, like a lot of people do with Psalm 139 about searching and asking God because he knows us, but then he searches us to help us know, all right, Lord, what the heck is going on with me? Because this is ticking me off and has nothing to do with the shell. So, yeah. And I think that's really key too. what you just pointed out is that it's never just the taco shell right? What, are, what do we argue about? We argue about money. We argue about the kids. We argue about sex. We argue about our in-laws. And it's rarely about that. It's almost always something much deeper, a deeper emotional button that's getting pushed. Like, you know what? I'm just not feeling very valued right now. I feel like mm. 
incompetent. I feel like, and yeah, I feel like I'm being misjudged and um, maybe feeling uh, like I'm not important to you, like I'm not a priority to you. Or uh, so there's almost always a deeper emotional button that's getting pushed. That if all we ever do is argue and fight about the taco shells, we really miss the deeper, more wonderful opportunity of hearing our, our spouse's heart and what's really going on at a deeper level and being, uh, being able to become that conduit of God's grace that God can work through me as that conduit to offer grace and understanding and help and healing for mm -hmm. Chris at a time where he can be really vulnerable and, and open and genuine, authentic about what's really going on. Mm -hmm. And so if we can be aware of that, of just that whole understanding that it's, it's not the taco shell. It's about the even, you know, if that becomes your little mantra, you know, uh, uh, you left the clothes in the middle of the floor. I go, okay, it's not the taco shell here. <laughs> what I'm really upset about is I feel ignored because I've asked him to pick them, pick them up and leave them on the bed instead of on the floor. I'm feeling unimportant because I told him it was important to me that he do that and why, and yet he still left them on the floor. So I'm really, it's because I'm feeling unimportant. I'm feeling unvalued and ignored. That's, That's where the healing, when we can talk on that level. Mm -hmm. um, and the thing is, is that I mean, we never, we, we really don't get to that, that, that point right off the bat. And the, the key is that timing is everything, like you said. Mm -hmm. You can't do it right in the heat of the moment, usually or with the kids there or, or why the conflict is happening. Usually you have to back off a little bit, give yourself a little space to come down and be like what you were saying to, um, you know, I don't even know what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling right now. I just know it's, it, it's my buttons pushed. I'm just ticked off, I'm sad, I'm hurt. And sometimes we, people like us, we just need some time to figure out our own mind, our own heart before we can even begin to share it in a, in a coherent way. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say is it does take a, a level of self-awareness where you can step back and look at like, I'm snapping at you, but really I'm mad about this yeah. thing over here, but you just happen to be like in my wake, <laughs> you know, and I can snap at you because you're here. I can't like, there's no, you know, there's no physical um, being of, of, of the coronavirus, right? Mm -hmm. There's no like, and so I can't be mad at that thing, That's interesting. Yeah. but I am mad about <laughs> it. And so it gets directed somewhere, right? And that's the me stepping back and saying, okay, I can tell that I'm mad about it. It has nothing to do with right. him or the kids or. Mm. Exactly. And isn't that weird how that happens? We, it's like, I know it, you know it. I, I mean, it, it's not that hard to figure out cognitively, but it's so hard to stop doing it. So right. it's like, God, I know there's like a lesson I've learned forever and ever and ever. And I just, how do I keep failing at this? It ticks me off, but it's so human and so normal. I think we have to give ourselves a little bit of a break too. Yeah. I think that giving, giving each other grace, giving, the, giving a lot of people in this season grace, yeah, no matter what yeah. I think is so huge. Um, and then I think, even like this sort of like we're just having a conversation about all this but it's helpful and so i think that like people just need to be able to talk about it right like and that's even part of probably i think about what are like what are the ways even that 
like the Center for Marriage and Relationships or just a therapist, a counselor, a friend, like what are like ways that we can help each other? You know, I think like even maybe you can share with us a little bit more about what are some of the things that you guys do yeah. to, to serve people that are dealing with this kind of stuff? Yeah, well, it's, it's um, where our passion and our heart is, right? I mean, it, it's, it's to try and help especially those that need these resources. We love taking them to them and, you know, doing marriage conferences throughout the country. We, we love doing this with uh, neighborhoods that, uh, and, and cities that can't afford it. And one of our passions is to take this kind of ministry to places where they really don't have access to some of this. And it's, of course, it's been limited now, but some of the inner cities we've been able to go to and provide free conferences and, and uh, then we go to universities. One of the cool things of being able to go to places like UC Berkeley and invited us a couple of times um, to go and speak to students on relationships. And so we've been to Yale Law School and UC Berkeley and um, they invited us back to come back again even. We did, of course, now we can't go and we had all these great plans to go. Just talk about, because this, this is universal. Everybody deals with this and and so for us as a center, um, our passion is to do that. And what we've learned are just small little things. And you guys addressed this already. It's just the small things that can really help. So finding time uh, for your own spiritual nourishment uh, during a time like this, mm. man, if, if, if there's a spe special spot you can claim as holy, a little room, a, a little chair, maybe it's the, you know, the bathroom or Maybe it's just some place that you can have, but you have to really be intentional. Um, and we just tell people, look, whether you, if we're at a secular place, we tell them whether you talk to, you know, just your heart, or, but here in particular for Christians, find that place where you can meet God and have him reveal these things, but just get your heart right. And you have to be real intentional during quarantine because it's so easy. So at least had a little bit of time and, needs i know she needs her space and so i will let her have her quiet time and try not to talk to her during that time because <laughs> yeah. my goal is <laughs> hey Lisa, let's talk about us and let's talk about the bible let's talk about this she's like yeah that's good but i know she needs that so i think that's one and then the second one i would say and lisa has some thoughts maybe about one of the ways that we help that we think couples ought to do eric is to have time where for them they recognize as elisa said what is it exactly that God has done for you that's so deep and powerful that you can call back to him and say, God, uh, even in this time, I need to learn what it means to turn my thoughts to gratitude. I think gratitude uh, of saying how thankful it could be really, really, really powerful. Um, and, and that learning how to do that and then being a quick forgiver. That's the last thing. Yeah, learning what it means to be quick to forgive. But yeah, if when we look at some of the resources that the center has that uh, that we can bring to bear for not only for the Biola community but for the community at large, uh, is that we offer free relationship advice hours. And hmm. so on our website, our website is called cmr.biola.edu. Okay. And on our website, you can actually click uh, on the links and you can sign up for a time. Right now we're doing it just by phone or we can do it by Zoom. 
but just to sign up for a half hour appointment or a one hour appointment. Cool. It's not yeah. going to be, you know, your, uh, your formal therapy uh, yeah. that a licensed therapist would offer. But what this is, is it is a, we're well-trained professionals. This is just going to be some free relationship advice. We can That's be correct. that listening ear to you and then give you some trained advice uh, mm. on how to handle those situations. Hmm. Um, so uh, we also do have a licensed therapist on staff with us that if it's something a little bit um, more involved that needs uh, a little bit more insight, more help, then we can refer to our therapist as well. But that, that's available Monday through Friday. Okay. We have certain hours signed up and you can go on the website and sign up for that. We have just a slew of blogs and video clips that are available that you can look. I need to find out something about communication. Click on mm -hmm. that. I need something on conflict. Click on that. I need something on parenting. So oh, uh, the website has a lot of resources for you. But cool. one other one that, that is really fun uh, that we've got that we're, that we're getting a lot of feedback on is we actually have a workbook called Marriage Mentoring. And that it's a it's it's something that you could do with another couple or an, an older, more experienced couple comes alongside a, a, a younger married couple, uh, or just another couple. They don't have to be younger, but just another couple. And you just walk this journey of marriage together, and you go through the workbook has really practical applications, a biblical basis, the scientific basis that we talked about, and then putting in really practical applications. But it's really great because you can also do the workbook just as a couple. You don't have to have that second couple with you. You can just do it one-on-one. -on -one. Hey, let's do this, this one on communication. Let's do this one on finances. Let's do this one on how our families that we grew up in impact what we're like today and how we do our family. Yeah. And then it also has a video teaching series to go with it. So this video uh, that goes with it leads in, has a little... 10 minutes teaching segment that leads into each session in the workbook. And so we have biblical experts and marital experts that introduce each topic and then speak a little bit on it, give you some supplemental information and then lead you into the workbook. But both of those are available on our website. And again, it's called Marriage Mentoring. Great little resource. Okay, and then that's cmr.biola.edu, right? That's right. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. And then yeah. we even just want any Calvary people listening to this to know, like go to, you can go to cmr.biola.edu for this stuff. Also calvarylife.org slash care. We'd love to connect you with one of our lay counselors, with our counseling pastor, prayer ministry, um, a Stephen minister, someone that can just listen to you just to be able to be there to listen. Sometimes we just need something like that. And so these things are available even right now during all this coronavirus season quarantine time um, via Zoom, via uh, phone call, some of those different things. So we want you to know that. And we have great referrals too for, for therapists, counseling. We'd love to be able to connect you with that. But Man, we are so grateful for you, Chris and Elisa. Yeah, this is this is great. Hey, thanks so much for having us. It's great to finally connect with you two. Yeah, we love everything about your church. We actually yeah. attended years and years ago we, that we ran a little ministry together called the Laurel House. Oh yeah, it's a, a home for runaway kids, and we yeah. were the, the counselors there. And so we would go to your church and bring the kids there because they felt most welcome there. Oh. And then, of course, Dave Mitchell is a good friend that we've known for a long time. 
And I'm just telling you, everybody, Eric and B, they are so excited to have you guys come in and take over. We heard nothing but amazing oh. things about your guys' ministry and work. And um, we're just excited that our daughter gets to partner and, and play a small role with you guys as well. It's been awesome. Well, I'm, a, I'm a fan of hers too. So she's doing great work. So I think she's got big things in her future. We're excited for her. So, um, well, thank you again for joining us. And thanks to everybody for listening to the Calvary Life Podcast. Thanks again for joining us on the Calvary Life Podcast. If you enjoyed our show this week, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. If you want to learn more about Calvary Church or share any of your thoughts, check us out on our website at calvarylife.org or find us on one of our social media accounts. We're on Instagram at calvary underscore church, Facebook at Calvary Church of Santa Ana, and Twitter at Calvary Life.